Welcome to Theology on the Go, a brief interview podcast from placefortruth.org. Place for Truth is a website of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals, which we'd encourage you to visit. After the podcast, listen for details on how you can receive free resources from the Alliance. My guest today is a friend and someone who's well-known to those familiar with the work of the Alliance. He is the Paul Woolley Professor of Church History at Westminster Seminary in Glenside and pastor of Cornerstone Presbyterian Church of Ambler. He also writes at mortificationofspin.org and co-hosts a podcast called Mortification of Spin. There are many, many things that we could discuss today, some of which we would not want recorded, but... We're going to today talk about Martin Luther and his teachings. So, Carl Truman, thanks for joining us today. Uh, thanks for inviting me, Jonathan. I'd quite like to talk about the things we can't record, but uh, if you insist on Luther, let's do that. Yeah, in a few minutes, we'll, we'll, I'll turn off the recording and we can get to that. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about Luther. Um, I wanted, wondered if you could start with just a quick history lesson. If you're giving a kind of brief biographical dictionary entry uh, of Martin Luther, who was Martin Luther? Martin Luther was born in 1483 in a place called Eisleben in modern-day Germany. Uh, he, due to a, a personal crisis, uh, he became an Augustinian monk in 1505 and uh, later, in 1517, launched a protest against the practice of the selling of indulgences uh, within the church. An indulgence was a paper certificate that got you time off purgatory. As a result of that protest, he was catapulted into the center, really, of the uh, political and theological narrative of the 16th century. His thinking became instrumental in the, the division that occurred in the church at that time in Europe, and also came to, to dominate, more or less, Protestant thinking in subsequent generations. Uh, there are those who are Lutherans and who follow Luther, and there are those who are not Lutherans and tend to be in reaction against him at some point. So Luther was a very, very significant churchman and theological figure in the 16th century. So how did he move from being someone who's significant in the 16th century to someone who should be significant for us today? I mean, you talked about how he's his, his influence over Protestantism is tremendous. What are some of the specifics there? What are some of his enduring theological insights? Yeah, it's a very good question. I think uh, uh, one of the obvious ones is his understanding of justification by grace through faith, uh, through the imputation of Christ's righteousness. If you believe that doctrine, it clearly has an impact both on how you think about the Christian life and, if you're a pastor, how you preach uh, the Christian life. Uh, he had a powerful grasp, I think, of the importance of the Incarnation as a revelation of the very heart of God. So he's also useful for, for placing Christ, the Incarnate Christ, right at the very center of theology. And I think that's something that Christians today uh, need to do. Uh, and also, many of the issues, the other issues that he raised during his day, for example, his position on the Lord's Supper, his understanding of baptism, 
while we, particularly we reformed, may disagree with him uh, on points there, we'd have to say that the, the way he set up the discussion continues to influence and shape theological discussion today. So there would be, be three obvious ways that Luther uh, is still relevant today. His understanding of justification, his emphasis on the incarnation, and the way he really set up the nature of debates for Protestantism on matters like the Lord's Supper and baptism. Were those things that he emphasized pastorally as well? I mean, some some of that sounds like it could have, and, and in fact, it, I think did happen in, in sort of academic settings. Did he, would he have emphasized those things in his uh, pastoral work too? Oh, absolutely. I mean, for example, for Luther, the, the, the foundation of the practical Christian life is knowing that one is united to Christ and justified by the imputation of Christ's righteousness so that our works flow to a large extent as a result of gratitude for God's prior action. So there's a clear practical ethical dimension to his understanding of justification. When we come to the sacraments, again, very, very practical because for Luther, the, the prime question for any Christian is going to be, where can I find gracious God? Where can I find God gracious to me? The answer is going to be, you find God to be gracious to you in the flesh of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Jesus isn't here anymore. We look around, we don't see Jesus. Where, where do we find Jesus? Luther's answer would be, uh, you find him in the word preached and in the sacraments administered. So practically, what lies at the center of the, of the Christian's life is hearing the word preached and taking the Lord's Supper. Those are absolutely central to the practical Christian life. So... I would say Luther's theology could certainly be discussed and debated in university uh, lecture theatres, and indeed has been so for, for many hundreds of years now. But it also has direct practical implications for how one thinks about ministry and the Christian life. Now, in your, in your book, Luther on the Christian Life, the subtitle is Cross and Freedom. How, how do those two ideas, the cross and freedom, fit into what you've just described? How does that encapsulate Luther's teaching on the Christian life? Well, Luther places freedom right at the center of his understanding of the Christian life. Uh, his major treatise on it in 1520 is the freedom of the Christian man. But Luther thinks that one needs to think about freedom, not in, in terms of how the world around thinks about freedom. We might say libertarianism, for example, the ability to do what one wants. Luther thinks that freedom needs to be understood through the cross. That's why I got the title Cross and Freedom. How was Christ free? Well, Christ was free because he made himself a servant to all. How do we find our freedom as Christians? Well, we are freed from the curse of the law by the work of Christ, and we demonstrate that freedom by serving our neighbors. So for Luther, the, 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 the cross is the lens through which we have to understand all of theological vocabulary. And when it comes to freedom, this central ethical category for Luther, we understand freedom in a cross-shaped way, which is actually servanthood, and servanthood directed towards the service of our neighbors. Should, should Christians today read Luther? Is he, is he an accessible author, or should they just read books like Luther on the Christian Life by Carl <laughs> Truman? Obviously, they should just read books right. about Luther. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, I think Luther, Luther should be read. It's, some of his works are more useful than others. He himself declared that 
uh, his two catechisms, the small and the large catechism, and The Bondage of the Will, a work he wrote in 1525, were the only books that he thought were surviving him after his death. So if you're interested in, in reading the books that Luther thought was important, read the catechisms, read The Bondage of the Will. Uh, I like reading his sermons. His sermons are not great examples of biblical exegesis. I think they're rather like Spurgeon sermons in many ways. You don't read Spurgeon in order to understand how to exegete the text. You read Spurgeon in order to see a masterful preacher uh, bringing Christ to bear on the congregation. And I think that's what Luther's strong at on the sermons. Um, I also think in another way to get into reading Luther is to read his table talk, the, the, the recordings of pithy and witty sayings that came up in conversation over dinner with his students in Wittenberg. There's a lot of humor there, but also a lot of practical wisdom. Uh, one that comes to mind is he gives the anecdote of how he made a, a rude comment about another minister at some point, and his wife rebuked him for this, and he found that a very helpful thing. So there's a lot of wisdom in the, the little anecdotes in the table talk as well. So table talk, catechisms, bondage of the will, those would be the, uh, my, my, my primary choice mm -hmm. for people interested in reading Luther today. What about, what about biographies? Are there any especially good biographies of Luther if I wanted to just get an introduction to his life and some of the, some of the various things he faced? Yeah, I think the best introductory biographies uh, are the one by Roland Bainton. It's quite an old one now, but it's Here I Stand. And more recently, there's a shorter biography published, I think, in the Penguin Shorter Lives or Brief Lives series written by Martin Marty, who's probably one of the most distinguished church historians of the, the 20, 20th century. So either Bainton, here I stand, or Martin Marty, Martin Luther, would be the places I would go. Well, Carl, thanks a lot for your time. Uh, if anyone wants to get this book, Luther on the Christian Life, Cross and Freedom, which Carl's written, or any of the other ones uh, he's mentioned, those can be accessed, I think, pretty easily. But thank you for your time with us today. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Theology on the Go, a podcast of placefortruth.org. Place for Truth wishes to be thoughtful and accessible and is based on the conviction that the gains of the Protestant Reformation retain their potency and ought to be maintained for the health of Christ's Church. Theology on the Go is a production of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Our ministries include placefortruth.org, the Bible Study Hour with James Montgomery Boyce, and events such as the Philadelphia Conference on Reformed Theology and various Reformation societies. To learn more about the Alliance, visit alliancenet.org or call 800-488-1888. Just for listening, we'd like to equip you with free resources. Visit placefortruth.org to find a link to those resources. And listen next time to Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth.